With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Dr. Jerry Coyne, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Coming at you from some overheated place, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I found out that Jehovah's Witnesses don't like to be tickled. Well, my Porsche, my rules. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but then they turned themselves around. <laughs> she thinks that saying, no thanks, I'm a vegetarian, when somebody hands you over a baby is normal. Christina. Well, I'm just being polite. <laughs> And she thinks that Snapchat has taught her that we all look better as farm animals. Kirsten. Yes. I think yes, we do. Absolutely. Makes everybody well, equal. We look more adorable anyways. <laughs> yes. Glitter, big eyes, long eyelashes. Ladies, welcome back. No Nancy this week, unfortunately. No. Poor Nancy. She's feeling a bit under the weather. Hope she's doing well. Yes. Uh, hope you guys had a great week. It was decent, actually. I can't fully remember all of it right now, but I'm pretty sure it was a good week. Can't remember all of it. It was pretty okay. good. A lot of drinking involved, apparently. Actually, there was only one glass of wine sure. in the whole week. <laughs> She's not lying. There was only one. Oh, that's a hell of a wine. Then. Well, no, I. Yeah. So I guess I guess we gotta start with with a bit of an apology to our listeners because we were supposed to have Eli Bosnick, but due to some unforeseen uh, circumstances involving work. We couldn't make our schedules match altogether, but that's okay because today we'll be talking to the Velvety Voice of Seth Andrews. Woo! So that's awesome. We've been promising that interview for a while. Yes. Um, but first, let's do a bit of chit chat. Now, um, I guess we'll, speaking of heat, do you guys see that uh, we've been having this heat wave all over the country? Yeah, yes, no? it's kind of hard to miss. Yeah. yeah, it's a little hard to miss when you're working in it. Apparently, the, the, the heat wave has killed 70 people in the province of Quebec. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know it killed that many people in Quebec. No. Apparently, it went down to the mid-40s with the human X factor. I mean, they're just not used to that there, especially elderly people. I'm sorry. Did you say mid? Mid-40s, yeah. 40s? Yeah. Gross. Went down? No, it went to the mid forties. Oh, I thought you said it went down as no, it was no, are you higher. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> well, just to give you an idea, remember, climate change is just a fake. Oh, thing, totally, right? it's just yes, it's yes. made up. Uh, here are some uh, dates that we've been seeing of a lot of heat all over the world, like Death Valley, and went up to fifty two degrees. Uh-oh. That was July eighth. Gross. Um, Duagla, uh, that's in Algeria, it went to 51 degrees. That was July 5th. Oh, my God. In Siberia. In Siberia, there were several consecutive days above 30 degrees. Wow. <laughs> yeah. In Siberia, you know, the, the frozen tundra of the world there? <laughs> in, yeah. 
in Chino in California. It went to 48.9. That was oh July 7th. Oh, my gosh. And then uh, Tajimi in Japan, it went to 40.7. That was July 17th. I'm staying right here. Yeah. Uh, scientists are saying the last time Earth experienced a year like with below average temperature, that was 1976. Wow. wow. So you two ladies have never seen no. <laughs> a year that was way with below than average. Born. Yeah. Yeah. I was two years old when that happened. So Wow. So I thought it was an interesting uh, thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And for all American listeners, learn our the regular system of temperature. Your guys yeah. suck. <laughs> Use metric. Exactly. <laughs> Use metric. Sorry. I, I didn't translate that into uh, Fahrenheit. <laughs> if they want to know, they can go use Google. Uh, what is it? Is it... Um, Times two plus thirty six or something. I, like that? I honestly have no idea. It's something like that. Yeah, something it's like that. double it and add. I, I have whatever. no idea. So like Death Valley of fifty two, it'd be like one hundred four plus thirty six, and wow, that'd be one hundred forty degrees Ugh. Fahrenheit. Oh, that's just to give you an idea. If we're correct with this, yeah, I don't know. I I just I don't know it. <laughs> Did you guys hear that uh, in August um, the Parker Solar Probe is going to be launched? No. Seriously? Yep. And it's going to fly to the sun's atmosphere. It's going to fly close, very close to the sun, 6.1 million kilometers. That's that sounds like far, but it's actually uh, part of the corona. Mm-hmm. And that's the part. If you don't know what the corona is, you know when you see an eclipse. Yeah. The part that you can see around the channel there—that's the corona. Mm-hmm. Um. So if I was to put this in a football field analogy, let's say for example you put the sun on one end of the football field and the Earth at the other end. That probe is going to be on a four-yard line. Oh, my gosh. That's how close this one is going to be. Wow. Uh, apparently, it has a white ceramic shield that's built and reinforced with carbon and carbon foam. It will arrive November 1st, and then what it will do is it will do it will start orbiting the sun. Uh, it will do 24 orbits, and each orbit is going to take about 88 days. Uh, it will add one of these orbits. It's going to get close to Venus as well in oh, 2024. And it's going to be flying by Venus at the speed of 692,000 kilometers an hour. And the last time we had a a mission to the sun like that was 1974 when they sent Helios 1. And they were at 45 million kilometers from the sun. And this one's going to be at 6.1. So the hell of a difference. And Helios 2 went to 43.4 million kilometers. Wow, so, that's impressive. Yes, we're gonna get some amazing pictures. Well, the, the, they're gonna find something very different about that, uh, the, uh, about uh, what's going on with the sun and how it reacts. And there's a, there's a bit of a dis- discussion as to you know temperature versus heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they say you know it's it's a bit like the difference of uh, because the, 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 of course the electronics are sensitive, and they have to be cooled down, and you know they get that heat shield. But they say it's a bit like put, putting your in a, your hand in a, uh, in an oven as compared to putting your hand in a boiling pot of water. Yeah, that's how you know you can you can tolerate the heat as the flares go by. Yeah, in the oven. So that's just to get to give you an idea. Um, okay. Well, I guess we got to talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> I know you don't like it, but... <laughs> it's fun to talk about when we don't have to deal with him as our leader of a nation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little easier on us Canadians. Now, you guys use Google once in a while? Google Images? Um, not usually. Well, you Sometimes. Know, if you Google use uh, Google Images right now and you look up idiot... I heard about this. You will find an image of Donald Trump. Are you serious? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm fact-checking this right now. Well, during his visit to the UK, um, a lot of uh, the the song American Idiot uh, had a resurgence of popularity by Green Day. 
and <laughs> a lot a lot of Google search ended up ta- putting uh, four out of five searches actually for Google and up putting an image of Donald Trump in the search engine as idiot. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> it's true. Okay, <laughs> so, they're now there's like all of them are Trump now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing. And uh, <laughs> I guess that's a, it's a bit of a kick to, in the pants of uh, Mr. Trump. And uh, speaking of uh, Trump, um, you know the uh, baby Trump blimp? Yes. yes. Well, apparently they had a GoFundMe, and they raised over $10,000 in three days to bring it to the U.S. Beautiful. Ah, uh, uniting the people. This is all starting in August. <laughs> apparently California, Texas, North Carolina, and Utah have already signed on. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, they should, they should like, figure out where he's going to be for, like, his rallies and stuff. Just have the blimp and, follow him. And, yeah, have the blimp follow him. Just everywhere he goes, there's a blimp. I wonder if people start shooting their guns at the blimp. Probably. Yeah, bro. Oh well, we gotta have to keep it on that. <laughs> yeah, America. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys also see the uh, the uh, Trump and uh, Putin uh, summit? Oh, I didn't watch it while it was on, but I saw it the aftermath. This is where I wish Nancy was here because I know she'd have some strong opinions about this. Um, he was uh, he was praising the the uh, Russian president. Yeah. He was almost like kissing his ass, really. Yeah. And and do uh, you guys think that he's a traitor? I have, I don't know. I think he's potentially not very intelligent. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously uh, uh, he went to the point of saying, you know, that you know the American agencies, intelligence agencies, are telling him that Russia interfered in the election, and he says, well, I've got the strong word of the president here, and he's very insistent they didn't, and he kind of sided with the uh, with Putin, which of course. All the jaws of the American people yeah. just drop simultaneously at the same time and say, "Oh my God, I have never ever seen that happen ever." <laughs> and it yeah, has never happened. Well, especially especially when it's like, it's this is the person who's being accused of attacking your country. Of course, they're going to say they didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was such a, a fierce backlash and the call calls for tre- treason and stuff like that. But it was actually very fierce that the next day uh, he came out with a prepared statement oh that he gosh, had to read, which so was stupid. so kind of funny because Trump is so off the cuff right away and just kind of speaks his mind and, and and he actually had to read off the paper. So obviously his handlers, I think, his handlers came to him and said, oh, no, no, look, you got you to gotta say this here because we're, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. You might not realize it. Mm-hmm. So and then he says, oh, no, I just made a mistake. I, I, I said would. What I really meant to say was wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was All the sauce. memes that have come out yes. from this are so funny. Yes, yes, I saw a meme. it's just ridiculous. Like, it's so sad, though, when you realize how many people actually believe that oh yeah like like so many people are like oh yeah no totally like he just meant he didn't want to do a double negative it's like seriously you seriously think he knows what a double negative is before someone told him to use that excuse you really <laughs> oh my gosh makes me so mad yeah yeah and there was even a meme that i saw that was i thought was really funny when they said uh in 2016 the american voters uh yeah voted decide decided that uh donald trump should be president oh <laughs> the correction shouldn't exactly oh my <laughs> so, gosh yeah so this another day in the saga of uh, the 45th president of the united states which we will have on as yeah. a guest eventually i i think the most terrifying thing from that summit though was Putin being like oh yeah you know get Mueller or whatever how do you pronounce his name Mueller Mueller I don't know how to pronounce his name to like come over 
to Russia and work with our people and yeah, it's like and like send these people over so we can interview like and interrogate them is like serious and then Trump's like actually considering it it's like these are American citizens that you are going like like Putin will kill them like he's not exactly someone who is civil in his treatment of well I, I'm not sure I'm not sure civil is the right word here Putin is uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy that'll poison you, but you know, he's like the, the he gives me that uh, arch villain uh, vibe, yeah, right? Totally. <laughs> it's like as you're drinking your tea and he's petting his cat, you know, exactly. he knows so well he's poisoning you. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. But you know, like I said um, in our podcast, we will actually have the president of the United States come, and Nancy's not here today. So this time for you guys and I, I have a little chat. I bought a rifle and some tranquilizer darts. And we're going to have to shoot her because otherwise she's going to create an international incident. Yeah, and when I give the that. sign, you guys are just going to have to help me and jump on her. We're going to have to tie her down. Yeah. Okay. We're okay with that? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm okay with that. Since she's not here to hear it's that. It's for the greater good. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, as far as, you know, you can't have a, some local podcast attack the 45th president of the United States physically. And Nancy might just do that. We don't need to have left at the valley on the run. Exactly, exactly. Left at the valley on the run. We have left the valley. (laughs) And just be sure to watch out for her kung fu grip. Yes. She has experience. (laughs) Oh, perfect. All right. Well, since we don't have uh, Nancy here today to do a top 10, how about we do... You got another brilliant moment for us? I sure do. Brought to you by religion. All right. An Illinois couple was arrested and charged with locking their 10-year-old daughter in a basement because she they believed she was possessed by a demon. Oh, not again. Again. He's dead. You know what? You need to have a product that says demon uh, be gone or something like that because they seem to be popping up everywhere, these damn things. They're like ants. Yeah. Well, we'll add that to our list of things to do, Kevin. <laughs> Right. Randy and Catherine Swopes, who are being held on child endangerment and unlawful restraint charges, are accused of forcing their daughter into terrible living conditions, all because they're religious myths. Authorities only found the girl after an anonymous call clued them in, according to WGN News. Police discovered the girl in the basement living in poor conditions. Investigators said they believed in the last year the girl was locked in the basement at night, forced to use a training toilet, and made to shower from a bucket. Wow. Investigators said she had little contact with any other member of the family. Hold on, hold on a second here. She was locked up at night? So during the day, what happened then? She just went to school? I guess so. So you're possessed by a demon, but you're still okay to go to school and learn math, but at night you gotta be locked up. Yeah, maybe Demons they only thought, come out at night. I was about to say that. Maybe they thought the demon only took over at night. <laughs> Jesus. The parents told police they believed she was possessed by a demon. The child and her siblings, aged 7, 13, and 15, were taken into protective custody. Yeah, thank goodness. Good. <laughs> These kids are, in sa- are safe in custody now, but unfortunately, this type of thing happens more often than you might think. Religion is frequently used as an excuse to torture people, including their children, even if that means withholding medical care from, from them in lieu of prayer. Yeah. Last year, for example, there was a California woman who was arrested for attempted homicide after she stripped her 11-year-old daughter naked, shoved sand in her eyes and mouth, and choked her to try and remove the demons from her. This mom was ultimately found not guilty. There's also a famous story of the Turpins from California. 
who held their 13 children captive. Some of the kids were bound with chains and padlocks, yet these parents were, of course, considered a good Christian family. Of course they were. There's not a lot of information in this particular case, um, but we do know that Randy Swopes is currently listed on the state registry for murderers and violent offenders against youth. He has been registering properly, so authorities already knew he was capable of similar behavior. And both of them are currently in custody and unable to hurt anyone. Randy is being held on a $750,000 bond. Catherine, $150,000 bond. Their next court date is at the end of this month. See... Sometimes when I hear these stories, you know, if you really want to take it to the extreme, you could do like the Salem witch trials, you know? She's accusing her child of being possessed by a demon. Yeah. Well, why didn't another Christian walk in and say, no, you're the one possessed by a demon. You know, you're the one torturing that kid. And it just could go on and on and on. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when you get imaginary bad guys. But it's yeah. so sad that this isn't just an odd story out like this. Oh my God, this happened. It's like, Oh, that's happened before, and like it really like. It's sad that it's happening. Yes. This day and age, that's what it's that's that's what's extremely sad about it. Like parents I, are torturing their children and locking them up because they think they're possessed by demons. Well, I mean, the, you can only do that with children today because if if you were to go to an adult and tell them that, you'd probably get a punch in the face. Yeah. Right? But children can defend themselves, so this is the exact same mentality that they had during the Salem witch trial. It's just put towards to the victim that cannot defend himself exactly today, and there's a chip it's pretty sad actually it is so we'll have to keep an eye and see what comes out of that one burn her burn her can you turn the music down just slightly awesome it's just a little loud on to a lighter note Hindu god of death hired by police to scare people without helmets <laughs> oh wow Hold, hold on. Hindu god of death? I mean, was he in the unemployed line? Uh, the Hindu probably. god of death? That's, that's, so you just walk in the, uh, the unemployment office and you'll have like Ganesh there sitting there and said, oh, you know, I don't do miracles anymore. I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he would be the perfect person to be like a, a cashier. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he'd be the perfect cashier. Uh, wait a minute. Ganesh is the one with the elephant head, right? Yeah. What's the the one with the multiple arms? Oh, that's the one. Of, oh my gosh, you're totally right. Um, is that Shiva? I uh, yeah, I, I, oh, don't, I don't know, know. names, I don't but know the my... one with lots of arms would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Police in India have hired an artist to dress as Yama, the Hindu god of death, to scare motorists who aren't following traffic rules, like those not wearing their seatbelts or helmets. The project is part of the Road Safety Week campaign put forth by traffic police in Bangalore. It's a pretty clever way to get people to follow basic rules without having to arrest or ticket them. Well, first of all, if you need to be scared by the god of death to drive properly, you shouldn't have a license to begin with. I'm sorry. (laughs) News agency India TV reports, roping in Yamaraja as their brand ambassador, the... Halasuru Gate Traffic Police tried to drive home the message of the dangers of not sporting a helmet, reckless driving, and other violations. We are observing July as a road safety month. As part of it, we are conducting various programs such as lectures in schools and colleges and street plays. Deputy Commissioner of Traffic Police, and I am going to butcher this name, Anupam Agrawal, told PTI. 
Also, we thought of using the character Yama to send the message across that if you disobey the traffic rules, Yama will come after, will come to your home. He said. I, I, I like awesome. I like how I like how you voice using the character Yama. Yeah. You know, it's like it's a fictional character, and <laughs> so. So the guy walks into his house. Oh, honey, you have no idea what just happened to me today. I was there texting on my phone as I was driving around, and all of a sudden, Yama starts chasing me. Oh, my God, dear, what happened? Well, he was on foot, so I just pressed the accelerator. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Or is Yama on a motorcycle chasing people? Who knows? He might be like the creature from It Follows, and it just... You can never actually get away from him. Mm He'll just always follow you. (laughs) The trick? Multiple people in the same costume. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. That's awesome. The actor who stopped motorists and reminded them of the importance of sticking to road rules was Virish, a theater artist performing Hindu mythology-based dramas. After intercepting mostly young motorists, Yama waved his mace in the air, warning them that he would not spare them. So, so, so he's knocking on people's windows and rolled down the window. No, you're Yama. Could you imagine, like, if you actually, if you're actually someone who believed in that religion, exactly, like that would terrify. Terrifying oh my me. god, Yama's come to grab me. Because these people probably don't realize that it's an actor. Like, they might actually think that this is like the... I'm getting to that. Okay. But I, I, I'm going to make a prediction here. Personally, I think that most people... I, I think, just like every religion, I think, uh, you know, when they say most people are 99% atheists, I think that's the same for everybody. I think, you know, that deep down inside, they're culturally Hindu... And you know they, they they go through the the platitudes and the and the and the thing. But do they actually believe to change your life the way Yama wants them to change? I don't think so. Right. This may seem funny, and it is. Come on, we're la- we're sitting here laughing at it. But I suspect it could be effective, especially around Hindus who believe in this mythology, and who are at least familiar with the story. The campaign has been picked up by people on Reddit who seem to think it could be successful, and in fact, police say the plan is already starting to reduce incidents. According to Traffic Police, the public awareness drive helped in minimizing accidents. Till June end this year, 2,336 accidents have been reported, of which 330 were fatal. By last December end, 5,064 accidents had been reported, of which 609 were fatal. In 2016, 7,506 accidents took place, of which 754 were fatal. So the number of fatal accidents is on the decline, whether it's because of Yama's literal presence, that we can't say for certain, but something's working. So more power to the artist dressed up as an imaginary character. He's saving lives, and he's doing it without any supernatural powers. Well, you know what? It really goes to say that Yama is the god of death, so if he's too busy directing traffic, then he's not busy harvesting souls. So less fatalities. So we should install a get-to-work program for all these gods out there. So they can go out there and you know, be a, a service to society. There's a Hindu god helping society. And yep. why stop there? We can take it a right? bit further. You know, take all these evangelical preachers and put them to work. Could you, could you imagine <laughs> in the southern states someone dressed up like a devil? <laughs> like scaring people in traffic. Only problem is they'd get shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they'd get shot pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, probably. But you know, if you take guys like Pat Robertson, you couldn't make him work as a traffic cone or a speed bump. Very true. You know, he doesn't move much. <laughs> Just dress him up in orange. Oh. I think that's a good idea. We should look into that. Thank you, Kirsten. You're welcome, Kevin. Perfect. 
So let's take a quick break. Wow, it's going fast. Quick show today. And uh, when we come back, we'll have Seth Andrews. So stay with us. Yeah. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Here's an excerpt from Our Constitution, The Way It Was by Dr. Madeleine O'Hare. Seemingly, no one knew just what to do. There was no clear-cut program. Some wanted to try to continue to negotiate with the British government. Others wanted to continue the armed revolt in the hopes of forcing the king and parliament to remedy their grievances. There was no one, apparently, who had the vision to call for complete severance of all political ties with Britain and to found a new nation. The situation remained stalemated until the end of the year. Then, in January 1775, Thomas Paine's pamphlet, Common Sense, came off the press. It was like a fresh wind clearing away a fog. In the simple yet forceful language that characterizes all his writings, Paine showed the absurdity of continuing a relationship of colonies to a mother country. Why, he asked, should the colonies, already peopled with three million inhabitants and destined to expand to cover a vast continent, be ruled from a small island 3,000 miles away? Why continue to be subjects of a tyrant king when the way was open to be citizens of a free republic? This pamphlet spread like wildfire. The small presses of the time could not keep up with the demand. Hundreds of thousands of copies were issued and penetrated to every colony in a short time. Payne's arguments were unanswerable. They left no middle ground. All talk of compromise and further petitions to Parliament died out. Find this audiobook and many more at AtheistAudiobooks.com. also taught us, just in my lifetime, an enormous amount more about how little we know, because we have a, now an increasingly large idea of the fantastic Earth. expanse of the, un, the unknown. That's precisely the moment at which to say that skepticism is what's necessary. Inquiry, debate, doubt. Where's faith in this? Where's the usefulness of faith there? There's no use to it at all. Well, joining us online is none other than the velvety voice in your ears, <laughs> the incomparable Seth Andrews. Seth, 
Thank you so much for coming back to Left of the Valley. Never thought my word, my name would be, you know, mentioned next to the word incomparable. Uh, so that's, uh, I don't know if I can live up to it. But, but uh, no, thanks for the invite. It's good to be here. It's uh, good to be able to hang out for a bit and chat. And thanks for the invitation. Now, normally this is the part where I started asking my, my guests because, you know, you're very well known in the States, pretty much worldwide now. And I usually ask my guests for, uh, for a short bio for my, for my uh, listeners that might not know you. But you know what? If you're an atheist and listening to this podcast or any podcast, you don't know who Seth Andrew is. You know what? Go do your homework, for Christ's sake. The man's known everywhere. <laughs> I, I'm easy. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm just a former fundamentalist, former Christian radio host who now hosts uh, an online atheist community and radio broadcast. I just uh, launched a new personal website just as kind of a project and just because the thinking atheist is its own thing. So if the, the genuinely curious and those who want to see photos of my pets can go to sethandrews.net, and that'll answer most of your questions. Nice. Sethandrews.net. Perfect. Seth, I, uh, today uh, I wanted to do a quick show with you because I, uh, you're such a regular guy, and people are so drawn to you right away. And you've got such a following there. Everybody just loves you. What's your secret? <laughs> uh, well, not everybody. I, it's, it's interesting. Over the past year, I've... You know, there have been some some controversies uh, that have popped up here and there. And it was interesting because I found myself in this unusual position where I, you know, I was uh, some people were very upset with me. And, and, and I realized I'm just a guy who's sort of figuring it out and makes mistakes. And, you know, but more than that, I, I thought, you know, if if we're in a culture where I'm the bad guy, it, it's just something I'd never really experienced before. And some of that, I think, speaks to just the Internet uh, you know, the more well-known you are where there is light, there is going to be heat, um, where you're, you know, there's a kind of sport, I think, in the way people deal with known figures. And uh, so I experienced more of that over the past year than uh, than usual. But those who really know me know that I'm I'm just me. I haven't changed one bit. I'm I'm all about people. I uh, want to just uh, learn stuff and help people is usually what I say. And, and um uh, you know, to explain the success of uh, the thinkingatheist.com and the show, I mean, some of it is obviously rooted in, a bit in my background as a broadcaster. I mean, I just, I, you know, communication is what I did for a living, production is what I did for a living. So I had kind of a leg up in it. But more than that, I really wanted to make a pledge to make the, the, um, the temperature of the conversations uh, just real. I mean, people look up to... Uh, you know, uh, who's a, who's a great example off the top of my head, Stephen, Dr. Stephen Pinker, they look up mm -hmm. to these great minds, but they relate to me. Yes. You know, I'm the guy who's just taking, you know, living his life and taking the journey and sort of uh, doing a, um, uh, an inner and outer monologue the whole time. And they, you know, they've taken the journey with me and I'm very thankful for their support. I, I have a hard time picturing people being angry at you. I mean, you're, you're, you're Seth Andrews. You were nothing but gracious uh, the couple of times you and I met, and you, you're like an inspiration to podcasters all over the place, and everybody just loves you. Well, it's, it's, some of it was like, you know, I had uh, there was a controversial conference in Milwaukee, and and I'd you know I'd been invited, and then I'd left, and and there was a lot of discussion about you know uh, platforming and endorsing and sort of a de facto. Um, uh, I guess endorsement might be the word. And, um, you know, there there's some people out there, anytime you mention any sort of a social issue or you talk about things like equality or racism or feminism, mm -hmm. uh, and you speak about those things within the movement, 
uh, you're going to find a polarized response. So, I mean, it's not completely unexpected. I'm not that naive. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm far from perfect. There are a lot of things in my life I'd like to have done differently. There are a lot of things I've posted that I wish I had phrased differently. But, um, you know, for what it's worth, I try to go back whenever possible and clarify and, and, if necessary, apologize. In fact, I just did an interview with Stephen Knight godless spell checker mm. where I'd, you know, offered up an apology to some people in the past that I had, I had just, uh, I had bad information, bad ideas in their regard and wanted to make it right. And I think that's, that's how good operators ought to handle themselves. If, you know, if you screw up, just say, oops, yeah. I know that that's, that was a very human error. It was my fault. I, t- I own it. I'm sorry. I want to try to make it right and do better tomorrow. And hopefully we can all learn something from that. You know, it's, it can happen in the Twitter verse. Yeah. Uh, are we, are we putting maybe too much emphasis on like, uh, I mean, I understand as the skeptic society wants correct factual information, but I mean, we are humans too. I mean, God knows I've, I've posted a few things that were incorrect. You know, I thought I I got caught, you know, I I got caught posting stuff. I thought for sure it was true. I thought my source was good. Boom. It wasn't. I mean, are we really going to nitpick at all? Uh, Are we, are we going to self-destruct as a, uh, as a group if we start to nitpick at these kind of things? Yeah. Well, some of it, I think too, is there's an ilk that is declared. I mean, they've, they speak in, in tremendously clumsy overstatement about a movement that I'm pretty intimately aware of. I mean, this is what I do. This this is the culture in which I act and interact every day. And so if they come forward, you know, they've gotten a lot of mileage out of saying things like Sam Harris is a racist and here's how and here's why. And, and anyone who would associate with or promote or appear on his show or, or – um, or say anything kind about, well, now you're a racist by association. And of course, I think it's ludicrous to think that Sam Harris is a racist. And so if you go and you stand against that narrative and say, well, actually, you know, you're misrepresenting him and here's how and why, it's, you know, it's easy for a lot of people who speak in binary terms, who think in binary terms, mm-hmm. who see the conversation with, without nuance, but only in terms of heroes and villains. It's very easy for those things to escalate. I think that's partially a product of the death of discourse in the age of the internet and it's something we all have to guard against it's difficult Mm. so difficult to make a complex point to hold a complex Mm. view uh to say that sam harris is you know he's a flawed guy who said some unfortunate stuff but if you look at the whole of his work blah 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 well i mean that just doesn't play in a 240 character twitter post and it's easy to grab a to quote mine and to to just take off with whatever phrase or sentence or whatever you've you've grabbed and i find that unfortunate you know that i told stephen knight that uh, the very technology that has connected us also in many ways has disconnected us it's something that i struggle with i love the online community i love being able to uh, connect with listeners and viewers and community members all over the world but at the same time you do have to choose your battles and you have to understand that uh, you you can't fix the world online in a comment section it's just never going to happen I, I think you bring a fantastic point and I, I'm reminded of the late great Christopher Hitchens a favorite of mine and yours if I remember correctly and uh, I mean Christopher Hitchens said a lot of controversial things and he said some things that I certainly don't agree with either uh, but that doesn't stop my admiration for the man okay we didn't yeah. agree on one point but I'm not gonna bash the character of Christopher Hitchens over that one point that we don't agree on. And yeah, as a whole, he did more for the cause of free thought before absolutely. breakfast 
than most of his critics will do in their entire lives. I mean, warts and all, he was a game changer. He certainly was for me. And, and I don't, I don't we should be able to say that, you know. I don't understand why people can't apply that same mentality to somebody like Sam Harris, who's done tremendous work for the cause. And okay, so he said a few things you don't agree with. Okay, so what? The re- it doesn't mean that the rest of his points weren't valid and you don't agree with them, right? Or if he's if he's not activisting in the way that you see, you know, that that speaks to you or that you agree with, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that that the work that he does is all null and void. I mean, you know, Sam Harris is one of those guys who's uh, I think he's done a tremendous amount of good. And, you know, he's having some interesting conversation. I mean, he gets a lot of he takes it in the teeth for sitting on stage with people like Jordan Peterson or whatnot. And I think, you know, Dude, let him talk. Yep. Put him on stage and get the ideas out there in the ether yeah. and allow the point counterpoint to happen because you know that's that's where ideas and uh, can be heard and that's when minds can be changed. So. Exactly, Seth. You know, there's a big difference between our two countries when it comes to free speech. Uh, United States, you guys have free speech, like unfeathered free speech. You know what you can say and do whatever you want. When you come to Canada, there's a bit of a difference. You can't incite hate. Uh, it's against the law. For example, when the uh, Westboro Baptist Church tried to come to Canada to petition or to uh, picket a, a funeral, or something like that, they were stopped at the border. Now, do you feel that maybe the United States needs to revise uh, your First Amendment, maybe put a, maybe a model that's more similar to Canadian law, or do you need to continue with completely unfeathered? Well, I'm, I'm no, I mean, I'm not Yoda on this issue, but I have an opinion, <laughs> and that is that I worry a little bit about the subjective branding of what is hate speech. I mean, Westboro Baptist Church is an, is an easy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, being able to, uh, to call out people who speak against um, those who are of a different race or nationality or skin color or gender, sexual orientation. I mean, we, we can speak out against those things, but, you know, then when you speak out against a religion, well, can someone deem that hate speech? And before you know it, you're in this weird sort of... Um, uh, you know, ball pit of uh, of names and claims about what genuinely is hateful, and I tend to lean more the other direction. I'm I'm like you know, Westboro sucks. They're they are a, a blight on the human condition. But as much as you know, the, I support their right. I mean, they can hold a belief and they can go out and promote that belief, even if it's hateful. And then we can stand across the street from them and hold our own placards. And we can speak out against their hate in a free speech society and, and see sort of the natural counter to uh, to what they're about. So I tend to think, you know, let's let the ideas be heard. Even, the, you know, even Hitchens was saying that the, the speech laws are not here to protect the speech that we like. Hey, of course it's going to protect. We want to protect the things that we agree with. It's the stuff that we consider to be abhorrent mm. that the Constitution must protect. And I, too, to date, and my mind can be changed on this, that's where I stand. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's a very valid point. I think, I think the people that would stand on the other, the other side of the argument would probably point out the, uh, the fact that it's all grand and great when you talk about free speech and your audience is a bunch of adults that can actually make the difference. But when that's, that same speech is affecting kids that don't yeah. know better, then this is where you need to interfere. So I, don't, I think that's the, that's the great line. I say, where, where do we put that line, right? Oh, and it applies to the church. I mean, if you, if you uh, talk about what might be the abuse of young children, meaning kind of a psychological abuse, mm-hmm. if you see health theology, and you know, churches are enjoying a tremendous amount of protection here in the United States, but they, in turn, then have the right to bring these young skulls into 
little church services and tell them myths and sell those myths as fact and teach them that they are born broken and original sin and shameful and deserve hell and only through Jesus and living this specific life can they escape. And this often damages these kids for the rest of their lives, even those who escape and become atheists still experience a measure of sort of psychological damage. Yeah. And it is one of those things where there is no, there's no perfect cure for this. Mm -hmm. I would like to see that stuff knocked out. But, you know, in a free speech environment, we have to knock it out by simply defeating the horrible ideas with better ones, by changing the culture. Yeah. See, this is what I like about Seth. This is not at all what I want to talk to him about today. But nonetheless, the conversation <laughs> is great. <laughs> I just whatever. I'm at your disposal, my S friend. Seth, uh, a couple a couple of weeks ago, we talked to your friend Arn Raw, uh, which is always a great guest as well. And uh, we basically asked him to take a look back. Now you're coming up on the 10 years of the Thinking Atheist. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that'll be next uh, April. So yeah, uh, and uh, and I thought you know we asked Arn at the time said. Take a look back in the past decade, and where, what is his assessment? And I'm asking you the same question here. What is your assessment of the atheist movement as a whole? Are we better? Are we worse off? Are we making progress? What What does Seth Andrew think about the past decade? Well, things have certainly changed. There were m much fewer voices when I had begun. You know, podcasting was just taking off, and and one of the reasons I began producing content as an audio video producer is because we saw a lot of content, but there wasn't a lot of quality. There was a lot of these sort of university lectures. You'd see some really, you know, brilliant mind like Victor Stenger or someone else. And, but yet, uh, whoever had shot the content that was posted to YouTube put the camera in the back of the room, didn't mag the subject. There was no connection with an online audience. There was a real dearth of quality. And, and so that's changed. Now, you know, these days we see um, that there are a great many people who are participating in the conversations and the quality of so many of these channels has really gone up to the point where they're shooting better video now on their cell phones than we were able to shoot in professional video mm -hmm. 10 years ago, you know, on, on equipment that cost uh, exponentially more. Um, we're seeing more storytelling, I think, in the movement. The stories of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. We're seeing ex-Scientologists. You know, right now, Leah Remini's making amazing progress yes, against yes. the Church of Scientology on international television. We're seeing also the growing pains. You know, I, I, I say the word atheist movement, but I do it a little bit tongue-in-cheek because good luck defining the movement. It's not like we're all yeah. a big club with membership cards uh, but I'm talking when I say the movement I'm talking about everything from you know the guy w who's doing street epistemology with a webcam to major organizations like American Atheists mm -hmm. I'm talking about people who stand on stage and give speeches or people who simply talk about their lack of belief in gods in their own circle I mean it just runs the gamut we have amazing people and amazing organizations of all shapes and stripes and cultures all over the place. And uh, so when I talk about the movement, I just mean sort of the rise of, of the nuns, the non-religious here in the USA. And those numbers continue to go up. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I've seen the narrative out there by some that say, well, they had to cancel this atheist convention down in Australia or New Zealand, wherever it's going to be. And this is proof that, uh, that atheism is dying or the movement is corrupt. Or, uh, you know, they had to do this. This didn't pan out over here. And 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 I, I think, well, actually, what, what you're seeing is, you know, 10 years ago when I started an atheist convention, might have, there might have been a couple a year by major organizations. Now, you know, there's an atheist event 
locally, regionally, and nationally all throughout the year. It's everywhere. It has been so normalized, and people have so many freaking options out there because there's so much interest that if one ends up not taking place because, you know, it's just not as much of an event anymore, it's not the death of the movement. It actually reveals that we've normalized it to the point now where there's not quite as much urgency. People already went to see a speaker two weeks ago over here, you know, and um, I'm excited to see what's happening. I'm a little terrified in the era of Trump uh, (laughs) with sort of the reversal of many of these, uh, you know, despite against theocratic thinking and the evangelical power that's trying to, again, take root in my country is, is scary. But I don't think you can stop the tide. I don't think we can uh, I think the rise of the rejection of at least fundamental religion is that cat's out of the bag. You're never going to get it back in. And in the next 10, 20 years, we're going to see a tremendous cultural shift and some pretty intense battles to go along with it here in the United States. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think uh, the, I think the, uh, the, uh, the religious side losing is actually inevitable. It's just how long they're going to drag it out. And they have this scorched earth, earth policy in the meantime. It's how much damage they're going to do on their way out. Um, and they'll panic and flip out the more they see themselves losing influence and power. And I think the more they freak out, the more we win. Yeah. The more bizarre they get, the more we win. So it's, you know, they're not going to go quietly, but they're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, just a matter of time. But like a cornered animal, the, the more uh, a cornered, wounded animal, they become more dangerous as well. And I think yeah. we've seen exactly that, especially in American politics. You sure you don't want to move to Canada? I mean, we have a policy up here that all you have to do is you have to remember that we have stronger beer and uh, hockey is actually preferable than baseball. How about curling? If you have curling, I'll be right there. We got curling for sure. Okay, all right. Well, I'll I'll go pack because curling sounds like big. It's something I've only done once in my life. I'm fascinated by the sport. And, of course, uh, you know, I know curling did not originate in Canada, as I understand it, but it's something that you do and do well. So There's a huge uh, volume of curling, actually. If it involves on ice. We're good at it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm, I'm in. You know, I'm, I think that'd be great. You guys just adopt me, and I'll sign whatever paperwork, and it'll be great. Fantastic. Okay. Done deal. Uh, <laughs> Seth, um, you know, uh, in the past 10 years, uh, one thing that I, I used to always reproach atheists is um, I call them apatheists. You know, there's a lot of people out there who say, well, you know, we have the truth on our side, so who cares? Well, that's great. You have the truth on your side, but in, in a political field, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win or come on top. Nope. Christians never give up. They always fight until they get what they want. Uh, do you think we've improved in that? A little bit, but you know, the, the challenge has taken on a little bit of a new flavor. I use the same word, apathyist. I think it's like the 30 and unders. They are largely more, and they're more and more and more, minute by minute, uninterested in fundamental religion. They might be spiritual, or they might be like a Christian in name only, but they don't go to church, they know nothing about the Bible, they don't care about doing any of the stuff that the Bible tells them to do. You know, they have sex before marriage, and they support their LGBTQ friends, and and they care more about the world than their parents and grandparents did. They're less tribalistic, uh, they're less judgmental, they just want to go out, and, and, and many of them really do want to sort of fix the world. But because they're not aware of fundamentalism, because they're not plugged into these sort of Bible literalists out there, and these Bible literalists are continuing to try to affect everything from public policy to, you know, infecting the minds of young children in fundamentalist churches, because they don't really relate to it in their own lives, they sort of opt out. 
and they're not thinking of that this is critical. They're, they're not really aware of how important these battles are. It doesn't relate to me, so, you know, I'm going to go do something else. I'd like to see that shift. I'd like to see us do a better job of communicating to the 30 and under crowd that, you know, we're glad that you're walking away, that the church is bleeding members. We're glad Mm -hmm. that you don't need all of this shame and guilt and judgment and mythology. But please know that the church is alive and well and extremely well-funded, and you are a critical part of the fight against that church. I think we as a movement need to do a better job of sending that message out to that particular, to those particular generations. Mm-hmm. Um, on a slightly different note, I, I know that many people, like, I'm an activist by nature. Like, I've always had my sort of fingers in the soup. You guys know what that's like? I mean, you're always wanting to to get in the mix and make a difference. I totally understand. Not, not everybody's like that, and I get that. You know, you don't have to go out and, and engage believers in the street to make a difference as uh, a rationalist. Mostly, you know, just being a rationalist in your own life, owning who you are and, and uh, setting your own boundaries and terms for living and just being you can be a form of activism. So, you know, we don't expect everybody who is not wired for it or doesn't desire it to go out and, and you know, be in the parades and wave the banners and take the stage and hold the microphone and do all those things because that may not be right for you. But if, you know, you are who you are and living a loud, proud, secular life on your terms, you are making a difference to friends, family, neighbors, community, coworkers. those types of people are watching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that way you are making a difference, so don't beat yourself up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Seth. Um, I I don't mean uh, I'm not sure how to uh, voice this, uh, uh, how to express this, but you are essentially the grandfather of us all, podcasters. In a way, uh, I think every podcast uh, podcaster out there tries to use you as a template. You know, mm, to be a, uh, a I don't know about that. Oh, I've, I've seen absolutely. a few probably who've tried to emulate. But. Well, no, but I mean, is, is it good enough? You know, it's a, what would Seth do? And these things like that. You know, you've inspired so many podcasters out there. And uh, if you were to uh, give a piece of advice to these guys out there, you, or even ourselves as, as a show, and as a professional broadcaster yourself that you used to be, what would you, what would you tell us? Well, you know, it's, I saw somebody, uh, there was some commentary just a few weeks ago about how boring my show was. So I know that, you know, as kind as your and gracious as your, your compliment is, I know that it's, everybody's got a different style, a different preference, a different flavor. And that's cool. You know, I, I mean, it's like radio stations, you know, find the music that speaks to you, find the podcaster or style of broadcast that speaks to you. And that's great. And I'm, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Um, what has helped me, and it, it's something I learned back when I was doing FM radio broadcasting, is that you're not speaking to you know a hundred thousand people. You're speaking to one person, in a hundred thousand different instances. So instead of being, hey, you guys, hey, how y'all doing, you know, and just kind of speaking in these uh, broader terms, you are in someone's living room, you're in someone's car, you're in their earbuds as they're out for a walk, or you know they're working out at the gym. You are speaking one on one, and for that reason, radio remains my favorite medium because it's just such an intimate one-on-one connection it's a great place for the storyteller so i think uh, great shows need to involve great stories the stories of human beings the stories of people escaping religions the stories of what religions are doing and why and and uh, and the story of humanism which is probably an even greater one and more urgent one how do we how do we maximize our existence without all the myths Mm -hmm. i think you need to be yourself Mm -hmm. 
I've heard a lot of people who, you know, they're talking at me because they heard some radio DJ who talks like this. And, hey, what's going on? You know, and they just, uh, <laughs> uh, it used to, we used to call them pukers back in uh, FM radio. You know, Q107.7, 75 degrees outside. You know, and after a while, you're like, oh, just stop. Um, it took me a few years, actually, to find my own voice, my own style. Find, find who you are. Be that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, try to prepare. Uh, know that people have a tremendous amount of, um, they have options, so many options. And if they're going to chew into their very busy schedules to allow you into their lives, you have a responsibility to make sure that you didn't waste their time. So, uh, you know, hey, let's just uh, turn on the mic and, and my person, you may have the kind of personality that simply transcends the need to prepare but it's rare, and I would say, you know, to make sure you're a good steward of your audience, do the homework. Know what you're talking about. If you don't, be prepared to ask questions and say, I don't know, or bring in an expert who does know. Mm. And have those conversations all along the way. Tell stories and conversations while being yourself is about the best advice I can give. Uh, we've, uh, you're, you're hitting a bit on a theme there, storytellers. And uh, I know you yourself are a great storyteller. Do you think that's where we're lacking in the movement, more better or better storytellers? Or do we, we certainly were. Uh, it, you know, it, it, we used to have a lot of teachers, and they stand yes. behind these sort of lecterns, and they give data points. And I'm like, you know, there's a way to format the information so that people are taking a journey with us. I mean, you know, you can say... Uh, a 13-year-old girl was kidnapped last night in a town in wherever, you know, pick a, pick a, a, a country that's dominated by radical Islamists. And, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, that's terrible. But if you get in and you say, you know, uh, you know, this girl, and you say her name, and here's who she was, and here's what she was involved in, and she was trying to get, you know, if you were to tell the story of Malala Yousafzai of mm-hmm. Pakistan, you know, teenage girl shot by a member of Taliban, people are like, oh, that's terrible. But if you get into her story, who she was, she and her father so bravely standing up for human rights, fighting, literally fighting to get uh, girls in education yeah. in Pakistan and beyond to see the risk that she had taken, the fact that her father was genuinely worried about what would one day happen to to see the violence of that day and then her recovery and her triumphant return. These are the types of stories that we as humanists and as rationalists need to be telling. And she's not an atheist, but she is representative of my values as a humanist. And she uh, represents my rejection of fundamentalism. And, you know, she's a great example of people who would disagree about things like her religion. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, we stand together when it comes to humanity. And she can be my ally any day of the week. I'd take her over many atheists, <laughs> you know. And and I think if we can if we can see each other as the human condition, and you know relate the stories of the human condition, I think that uh, that's something we we can never have enough of. I'll say it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Seth, in the uh, current political climate that you guys are experiencing in the state, uh, I know it's not easy being an atheist there in the U.S. It was never easy to begin with in the U.S., but I think it's getting worse. Do you think maybe this is one of the last attempt before secularism is going to finally triumph, or you think this is maybe a trend towards darker times for us? Well, you know, once we saw the the theocrats nominated to the Trump cabinet, you know, Betsy DeVos for education, and Ben Carson, and HUD, and... Um, which is Bridenstine. It's interesting. I think he went to uh, NASA. He was a climate change denier, and then he was actually shown the science, and he changed his mind. So I do have a little bit of hope. Mm. But I, um, yeah, I was I was discouraged. 
And then I was talking to people like Andrew Seidel at the Freedom From Religion Foundation, and they were talking about the tremendous amount of, I don't know, there was, there was a surge of people who signed up as members and said, how can I get involved? Like, it woke people up. Those who watched this sort of unthinkable thing happen in the 2016 presidential election and have seen the aftermath are now saying, all right, fine. I've been sitting on my hands or I haven't been active enough. Uh, now, how how can I? And, you know, you're seeing a surge in the memberships of organizations like the Secular Student Alliance and, and others. People are engaged and engaging more. Mm-hmm. So it's my hope we'll see a little bit of a course correction, a bit of a check and balance during the midterm elections this coming November. And then uh, in 2020, we can apologize to the rest of the world. We can say that we as a country lost our minds. We're very sorry. And we can do our best to try to make things right. But I don't think anything will stem the tide of secularism. I think it's going to be hard to extract those who are religious, evangelically religious, who have the the reins of power. But their their day is coming. You know, their their term is limited. And as the culture change... As the culture changes, rather, I think the government that represents the culture is going to have to change with it. We're probably talking about a decades-long process, but it's mm-hmm. going to happen, I think. I, I think I absolutely agree with you. There is one thing that kind of has me a bit worried is that um, anti-intellectual movement you guys seem to have in the States, because it kind of reminds me of what happened in Islam in the 11th century, right? Well, they're on the forefront of science, they're the best thinkers in the world, and all of a sudden some religious figure says, no, this is all of the devil, and it's all fake news, if you wish. And I, I'm kind of seeing history repeat itself in a way there, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm wrong about this. That this It's is- very Orwellian, it really is. You know, they yeah. tell you to distrust everything except for the except for Big Brother, right? And, yeah, yeah, exactly. and I'm amazed at the people who continue to buy into it. My own evangelical, fundamentalist, religious parents love Donald Trump. How did this happen? How do they jibe this with their own moral center? I just, you know, makes me crazy. But, uh, you know, there, you know, there definitely is an, an anti-intellectual, anti-reason, anti, um, I think anti-goodness. It's, it seems to be a grab for power more than anything else. Yes, yes. Um, well, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, I don't know how to fix the world. All I can say is that I am seeing a rising tide of resistance that I hope will bear fruit in the midterm shortly and then in the main presidential election in 2020 if we can find a candidate worth voting for. So Fantastic. Seth, uh, what's coming up for you? This is your, your chance. Go ahead, plug yourself, be shameless, man. Oh. Well, uh, thethinkingatheist.com, of course, the thinking atheist is not a person, it's an idea. The idea is that we reject faith and embrace reason. We think about the challenges and opportunities before us. I am um, getting ready to uh, do some speaking dates starting in September. Looks like I'm going to be in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to be in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. Tampa, and Orlando, Florida. Those are coming up. In uh, the fall, I'm going to have those dates all online at thethinkingatheist.com in the coming days. Uh, because we do a popular October ghost stories broadcast yes. every year, and I've put so many hundreds upon hundreds of hours into the production of those shows, I finally decided to do it legitimately. And so I'm releasing ghost stories, original tales, and ghostly urban legends, the audible.com audiobook. It releases in September. Ooh. And I'll be promoting it heavily in the month of November. I'm sorry, in the month of October, rather. My hope is is that it's a nice distraction. And I also want to see maybe some uh, people who had no idea 
uh, you know, who's this Seth Andrews guy and what does he do? And they're interested in the horror genre, ghostly fiction, haunted houses, those types of things, the Halloween holiday. And they get into the book, and then because they're curious, then they start getting into, hey, what's Sacred Cows? And they check it out. And some of our deeper criticisms of religion, and maybe we'll bring some fresh faces into the discussion. So that releases in just a few weeks. I'm excited about that. Mm And beyond that, just doing the radio show every single week as best I can. The website to find everything, thethinkingatheist.com. Seth, uh, is there any chance we're going to see you north of the 49th anytime soon? Or? I'd love to. You know, usually wherever I go, it's by invitation. So, I mean, it, there normally has to be a... And if I was to cross the border and do all that, we'd want to do like a series of cities. I think Matt Dillahunty just had a magic and skepticism run in Canada where he did, I don't know, five, ten cities in a row. And uh, I would love a chance to come back up and and have uh, you know, just have a great time, spend some time, maybe bring Natalie and yeah, and sure. uh, enjoy some, you know, see see some stuff while we're there. Maybe even do some curling. You know, you just never know. <laughs> but um, I don't have anything in Canada uh, on the the calendar at this point. But you never say never. And if there's any organizations up there that are interested in perhaps putting something together for 2019. My email is Seth at thethinkingatheist.com. We'll work on that. Hey, Seth, you know you were talking about your ghost stories there. Um, when, uh, for our Halloween special, we call we have a thing we call, we do Ghost in the Valley, which we essentially tell ghost stories of virtual campfires. Would you be willing to come back and tell us one of your stories? No, I mean, only if it serves you guys, you bet. I'd be honored to be a That'd part of it. Just uh, I, it's, it's a genre I've always loved. Um, there are a few people who are like, well, why would you enjoy supernatural fiction if you don't believe in the supernatural? And I just think that's the stupidest question. I mean, yeah. you know, how do you enjoy Harry Potter if you don't believe in Voldemort? How do you believe in, how do you enjoy Star Wars if you don't believe in the Force? Come on, we are creatures of the imagination. It's a nice distraction. I call it bubblegum for the brain. And it's just a genre that I've always really enjoyed. So I think it's great you guys get together and do that. And if I can be of service, you just have your people contact my people, and we'll do the thing. Okay? Fantastic. We'll do that. Seth, All right. thank you so much for being part of the show today. But before I let you go, i, I got to have you say, Hi, I'm Seth Andrews, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, I'm Seth Andrews, and I took a left at the valley. And that was the one, the only, Seth Andrews. Ah. Oh. My ears feel soft and velvety. I could listen to that man all day. <laughs> Absolutely. He's got so much better voice than any of us, especially mine. <laughs> yeah, so it was very interesting. A very different response than uh, the one we had from Arn. His uh, response was a bit more positive. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be very interesting to see in the future what's going to happen and uh, see if some of his, well, I wouldn't call him prediction. But if uh, what he said is going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, my dear, for joining me today on the show. Uh, <laughs> no problem, you, Kevin. Thank you to you for listening. Um, you can follow us at leftatvalley.com. You can follow us at, at LETV Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook. You can send us an email at leftatvalley@outlook.com. You can send us your complaints to Nancy on the third floor. But be sure you'll receive a punch at the same time. Coming up next week, we'll be talking to Dr. Ben Davis. We'll be talking about junk science. That'll be fun. And in August, we'll be talking to Anthony Magnabasco about street epistemology. And after that, we'll be also talking to our old friend Michael Sparks is coming back. And we'll be talking about uh, politics, U.S. versus Canada. 
And we'll have somewhere in there as well, we'll have our friend Eli Bosnick. We'll come back. The comedian's going to make us laugh. That's going to be great. And we'll be, at the end of all, we'll be talking to Godless Cranium, a YouTuber with a really interesting channel. I suggest you do follow him. Well, that was easy, wasn't it? It was. We made it. We did. Perfect. And I guess I can say, if anyone has any... Uh, Anything they would like us, any topics they would like us to cover, send us a message. You can always send us a message. Say, hey, why don't you guys cover this or cover that, and we'll certainly do it. Thank you so much, dear. Have a great week. I will. Until next time. Became an atheist, and you, the, the my sister who actually brought me out of Christianity, because I was like a young Earth creationist. I was crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, she also listened to your podcast, and a lot of the um, arguments you were making on your podcast cast is what she shared with me in our conversations, which then helped me leave Christianity. So by proxy, Seth deconverted. Yes. And then, and then I immediately listened to your podcast. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, it's it's that's such a gift, you know, for someone like me who spends so much time uh, producing, but I don't get a whole lot of feedback beyond just the statistics of who's listening and <laughs> and what I get to you know encounter on the road. I mean, that's that'll man, I can go I can go months on that compliment. So <laughs> thank you for thanks for sharing that. You know, I think. No, none of us really expected or planned for this. We didn't ask for it. We just kind of, you know, we're just trying to figure it out, you know. So, so thank you. Let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful The thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them the system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist, I'm an Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.